I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy as we continue our study in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 22 this morning, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 4. Deuteronomy 22, verses 1 through 4, and if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one of the pew Bibles there, and it's page 153 in the pew Bible. Page 153 in the pew Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, please take that pew Bible with you, and that's our gift to you today. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take it and You'll certainly be edified by it. Now, we've been talking about, as we've been going through these last few sections of Deuteronomy, we've been looking at the, the dignity of human life, the dignity of human life. And human life, we've discovered, is sacred. It is sacred life because human life is created in the image and likeness of God. So every human life has inherent value because every human life is created in the image and likeness of God. From the moment of conception to death, every human life has value because every human life is created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, as God's people, we are to preserve and protect human life uh, as much as is within our power to do so. We must treat other people with dignity because of their value. We must treat them with dignity because they have dignity as image bearers of God. Uh, that, of course, we, we saw starts in the home. Uh, we're to treat our spouses with dignity. We're to treat our children with dignity. But then it extends, as we looked the last time I was here, a couple of weeks ago, we, we looked and we saw that dignity, treating people with dignity extends all the way out to the criminal, the one who is in prison, the one who has broken the law and is in, in jail because of, of something like that. Uh, we're to treat them even with dignity because of their image, the image of God that they bear. And now... We kind of come back a little piece here, and we look at dignity and your neighbor. Dignity and your neighbor. Of course, our text today deals with your brother's ox, uh, but brother here in our text is used broadly, meaning fellow, your fellow countrymen or tribesmen uh, or neighbor. And there's actually some translations that translate the Hebrew word there as your neighbor, so we're focusing in on dignity and your neighbor. Now, who is your neighbor? Well, Jesus tells us who our neighbor is. In Luke chapter uh, 10, verses 25 through 37, we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. And you know that parable. There's a lawyer there. He asked Jesus, how can I get in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, well, what's the law say? And the lawyer says, well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's great, that's awesome, right on. And then the lawyer, wishing to justify himself, asked Jesus the question, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in that parable, Jesus reveals that your neighbor is whomever God has put in your life, 
that has a need that you can address. So our neighbor is anyone that God puts in our life. Right? It's not just the, the person next door to us at our house. It's whomever we, are, we come into contact with on a daily basis, out in, the, in life, wherever you may go. If God puts someone in your path, that's your neighbor, right? Whomever you come in contact with, that is your neighbor. And so today's text teaches you to treat your neighbor with dignity by actively caring for his or her need now let me say that again treat your neighbor with dignity by actively caring for his or her need now from our text today i want to share with you three practices to ensure that you treat your neighbor with dignity so three practices that you're to put into place so that you can be sure that you treat your neighbor whomever that might be in your life with dignity so, uh, if you found your place there in God's Word, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's Holy Word. Hear the word of the Lord. You shall not see your brothers or your neighbor's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother. And if he does not live near you and you do not know who he is, you shall bring it home to your house, and it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him, and you shall do the same to his donkey, or with his garment, or with any lost thing or uh, of your brother's, which he loses and you find. You may not ignore it. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way, and ignore them, you shall surely help him to lift them up again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we, we pray that you would write its eternal truth on all, all of our hearts this morning, Lord. We want to learn from your word how we are to live in such a way that would reflect your image your will in this world, Lord. We want to love people as you love people. And Lord, we want to direct people to see you and to see Christ. So Lord, teach us today so that we may love our neighbor as ourselves, that we may treat our neighbor with dignity by caring for them. So Lord, teach us today, I pray. In Christ's name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. So now we, we're dealing today with uh, your neighbor's ox or donkey or all of these things. Now, of course, some of this doesn't particularly apply to us directly because very few of us, does anybody own an ox? No, we, we got some that have some cows, right, and, and maybe a horse here and there. Uh, but nobody has an ox, nobody has a donkey. We, we, we don't, if we're going to haul something, we don't throw it on our ox and and lead the ox down the road. So uh, there's some cultural differences here, but how does it apply to us, and how do we learn from this text today? Well, first, the first practice that we see from our text that you must do to ensure that you treat your neighbor with dignity is this, never, ever, ever ignore your neighbor's need. Never ignore your neighbor's need. Now, in our text here, there are three sections in this little paragraph, right? 
The first has to do with an animal that has gone astray. Your neighbor's animal, his ox, his sheep have gone astray. What do you do? The second deals with the lost item, and it's a lost item of any kind. And the third deals with this distressed animal, one that's crumbled under a burden. And so what are you to do? In each section, Moses makes clear we must not ignore our neighbor's need. Right? The Hebrew word here uh, that the ESV translates ignore means to ignore, to hide oneself, to avoid, or to withdraw from. In other words, don't turn a blind eye to your neighbor's need. Don't turn a blind eye to your neighbor and his need. It is repeated three times in this paragraph, right? That, that word, that term is repeated over and over again three times within this paragraph. First there in the first line, you shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. On down in verse 3, and, shall, and, you shall not, and you shall do the same with his donkey or with his garment or with any lost thing of your brother's which he loses and you find. You may not ignore it. Verse 4, you shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them. Now, Moses is using this repetition to make something clear. Like, like here, here guys, this is one of my main points I'm trying to make here. Right? That's, that's what he's doing by, ignore, by repeating this term over and over again in this paragraph. We are to never ignore our neighbor's need. We're not to turn a blind eye. We're not to look the other way, but when we see our neighbor in need, we're to address it. Right? If our neighbor has a need, we are to address it. If we can address it, if we can help them in that need, we are to help them in that need. Never, ever are God's children called to turn a blind eye to someone that God has put in our path who has a need that we can help them with. We see that in the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? We see in the parable of the Good Samaritan, as Jesus tells this parable, he says, but he, the, the lawyer there, as I indicated earlier the the lawyer desiring to justify himself asked jesus he said who is my neighbor and jesus replied a man was going down from jerusalem to jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead here was a man that was in need in desperate need he was left for dead now by chance a priest of all people was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. Right here are two, two people who, who should know the mercy of God, right? They should be well-versed in the mercy of God, yet they see this person who is in need, and instead of helping that person and dressing that person's need, they walk by on the other side but the samaritan of all people right this half-breed that was despised by the jews jesus says this samaritan came by and when the samaritan saw this person in the in the, the road with a need he had compassion 
You see, we are never, ever, ever to turn a blind eye to someone who is in need. But God calls us to address the need. If we have the means and the ways to address that need, we are to meet it. Now, our natural tendency, of course, is to not get involved in matters that don't pertain to us, right? If they're not directly pertaining to us, our natural tendency is to... I'm not seeing that, right? Uh, that's not my problem. That's, that's their problem. I, I've got my own life to live. I've got my own things to do. I, I'm not going to get involved in that. And so our natural tendency is to ignore and go on with our life. But that will never do for God's children. That will never do for God's children. Just think if God ignored us and our need. We are never to ignore someone in need. In fact, as we understand the sovereignty and the providence of God, we should understand that if God puts someone in our life who has a need, that we can help them in that need. God has brought us to be merciful. He has entered us into their life and into their situation to address that need. We are God's hand of mercy when we come up by someone who has a need that we can help them with. We are never, ever, ever to ignore our neighbor's need. I wonder if we're honest, and I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I want each and every one of us to be convicted by this question, including myself. How many times have you looked and seen someone in need and ignored it? Never ignore your neighbor's need. Never ignore your neighbor's need. So you must never ignore your neighbor's need. Rather, as children of God, you should actively engage your neighbor's need. You should actively engage your neighbor's need. Notice what our, our text says, just in summary here. You are to return the strayed sheep, right? You're, you're to return the straying animal, whatever animal that may be. It is to be returned. It's not finders, keepers, losers, weepers, right? You return it. You return the lost property. You take the time to find the person and, and look for them and return that lost property. You're to assist in restoring the distressed property, the distressed animal. You're to help restore that property. I love this. And it's kind of missing here, in, especially in the ESV version. That last line there. Uh, you shall not see your brother's donkey or his fallen ox down, uh, fall, ox fallen down by the way and ignore them. So the idea here is that your neighbor is, he's got the, the load, the burden on his 
animal of burden and he's leading that animal somewhere but the load is just too heavy for that animal and the animal has collapsed underneath the load and so you you come by you see your neighbor he, he's there with his his ox or his donkey and he's trying to get the donkey up and, and, and he can't do it on his own and so you're not to ignore that person but you are to help him right and that's that last line there you shall help him to lift them up again Uh, of course the esv says you shall help him lift them up again really there there's more of an emphasis here and in fact the the term is used twice in this text you shall help him help him to lift him up again in the hebrew the word is repeated help him help him and so really the indication here here is you shall surely help him and the new king james and the king james kind of they do a better job here you shall surely help him to lift them up again the new american standard says you shall certainly help him to raise him up again the lexham english bible i I like this version even better because it really kind of cinches the the point here certainly you must help them get up again with him with the owner Uh, this is you got to do this right this is an absolute must you're not to turn a blind eye but you're to actively engage in your neighbor's life to help them out of this situation that they are in that double repeat there, that word, the repeat, repetition of that word, help, help, you're to do this. This is not uh, in question, but this is a must for God's people. You must help him. You must help him in this situation. We are to actively engage. We are to actively engage our neighbor's need. A lot of times we we might have sympathy for our neighbor. We see our neighbor in need. His ox has fallen down. Man, I, I, I sure feel sorry for him. He's got a lot of work to do to get his donkey back up. Oh, that's a, that's a bad situation to be in. Oh, I sure hate it. My, my neighbor, uh, their lights are out and, and there's, what am I to do? I sure hate it that this has happened to my neighbor, but, you know, we we have this sentimentality towards our neighbor in need, but we don't always get involved. But God calls us to actively engage our neighbor's need. We must do this. We certainly must do this. We must address the need. We must address the need. Just like, again, the Good Samaritan Look what the Good Samaritan does. The Good Samaritan, he sees this guy, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, where this man in distress was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Here the Samaritan takes 
active involvement, right? He actively engages this person in need and he goes to him to help him in need. We must never, ever, ever turn a blind eye to our neighbor's need. Rather, we are to actively engage that need as God has given us the means to do so. I think about this and my actual neighbor uh, back when the hurricane came through and blew down trees and all kinds of things there in our neighborhood. And, and my neighbor, he had this row of Bradford pears there. And uh, they're, they're right on our property line, but they're on his side. And, and so he takes care of them, or did take care of them. The hurricane got them, right? And went out there after the hurricane, and, and they were all on the ground, and limbs split off everywhere. And uh, I saw a need for my neighbor, and I went out because he was, his wife was sick at the time, and so I went out and I started cleaning up the mess. And as I was cleaning up the mess and cutting limbs off and hooking them up to my four-wheeler, our other neighbors, two other neighbors across the street, they saw me out there with my four-wheeler, and what did they do? They, both of them came over, and one, each of them on their little tractors, and they came, and we loaded all of that debris up and hauled it back out to the burn pile so that it could all be burned. And so there we had a group of neighbors coming in to help address a neighbor in need. Now, my neighbor, Mr. Jimmy... He does that for me all the time, too. I don't want this to just be a story about, look how good I am. My brother, um, Mr. Jimmy, he's always helping us in, in our time of need. When we're gone, he's, he's there to, to make sure the trash can gets pushed, pushed back up to the house. The other day, I was out there folding up my big old uh, tarp that goes over my pool when I was getting my pool opened up, and I was out there by myself trying to fold this thing up, and Mr. Jimmy saw me, and he came right over there, and he, he helped me get that folded up and in its place. And, and so that's how neighbors should be, right? We should take care of one another. And when we see one another in need, we're not to turn a blind eye. Man, boy, that's a mess over there. He's going to have a tough time cleaning that up. No, we're to go help a hand, pitch in a helping hand, right? And help the person who is in need address our neighbor's Need. We are to actively engage in our neighbor's need. So is there a, a tree to clean up? A yard to mow? Right? A yard to mow. I, I know sometimes life happens and people aren't able to mow their yards. And so is there a yard that, that needs to be mowed that you could mow? Is there a fence to be fixed? Is there a flat tire to be changed? Is there a casserole to cook? All right? there, there's many ways that we can address a need. So never turn a blind eye, but always actively engage your neighbor's need. You must never ignore your neighbor's need. Rather, you should actively engage your neighbor's need and as you actively engage your neighbor's need, watch out now, selflessly sacrifice to meet your neighbor's need. You must selflessly sacrifice 
to meet your neighbor's need because when there is a need to address that need is always going to cost you something isn't it it's always going to cost you something notice even in our text here uh, and you shall do the same going down to verse three now when, when we think about this when you shall Actually, starting from the beginning there, you shall not see your brother's ox or sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother, right? You're to take them back. Uh, that's going to cost you time, isn't it? To take that animal back is going to cost you time. You shall take them back. You shall restore them to your neighbor. And if he does not live near you and you do not know who he is, you shall bring it home to your house. And it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. Now think about that. If you take an animal home to your house and you keep it until your brother comes looking for it, that animal is not going to survive on air alone, right? That animal is going to take food. It's got to have food to eat. You can't just simply let that animal starve to death. It's going to take food to eat. And if you're bringing it home, then you have to feed it. You have to water it. You have to take care of it until the time comes that you can restore it to that person. And so it is. It costs you time and it costs you money. It costs you effort. Notice there in the last verse. And you shall do the same to his ox or his garment. Or whatever is lost of your brothers, which he loses, and you find it, you may not ignore it. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox falling down by the way and ignore them. You shall surely help him to lift them up again. There's going to be that loss of time. There's going to be that loss of money, finances, resources. And there's also that sacrifice of effort, taking the effort to actually do something, to sweat a little bit, a little bit of sweat equity to help your neighbor out in those moments. Of course, in the Good Samaritan, as I just read there, what did the Good Samaritan do? He bound up this guy's wounds. He, he took out his oil and his wine that he had to, to medicate, to, to purify it, to take out any kind of infection from the wounds and uh, to address those wounds he took him to the inn, and there he continued to take care of him and when it came time that he had to to go and and finish out his journey what did he do he took out two denarii he gave it to the innkeeper and says hey continue to take care of this man until he's well and then when i come back if you use more than this two denarii then i will pay the difference Put it on my tab, right? It cost him time, energy, and money to take care of this man's needs. And if we're going to not ignore our neighbor's need, but actively address our neighbor's need, it will always cost us something. You see, that's often our problem. A lot of times we count the cost, and we're just not willing to spend that on our neighbor. But just think about this, whatever you have, whether it's time, money, or energy, it's a blessing from God. It's not yours, it's God's. 
He owns whatever you have. He owns you. And he calls you to use whatever means he has put in your stewardship to help out others who are in need. When you see your neighbor in need, and you have the resources to meet their need, selflessly sacrifice to meet your neighbor's need. Selflessly sacrifice to meet that need. Whatever it is, whether it's time, money, or energy, sacrifice that to care for your neighbor's need, and certainly God will bless you in that. Think about this. Just like Jesus selflessly sacrificed himself to meet our greatest need, right? We ought to sacrifice to meet other people's needs. Praise the Lord that he looked at us in our need. And in our greatest moment of need, God didn't ignore us. God didn't turn a blind eye, though he had every right to. He never turned a blind eye, but He looked down upon us. He had compassion upon us, and He sent His own Son. He sent His own Son. It wasn't a little cash, that little extra cash that we have laying around. No, He sent His own Son into the world to live, suffer, and die for us. He actively engaged our need so that we wouldn't have to suffer the torments of, of our sin in a devil's hell, but that we could have everlasting life in Him. Let's learn from God. Let's follow His example. And when we see our neighbor in need, let us not turn a blind eye but let us actively engage their need. Sacrificing whatever it is that we might need to sacrifice to address their need and show them the compassion of God. Show them the love of Christ. And you know what? Your greatest need. Treat your neighbor with dignity by actively caring for his or her need. And your greatest need your neighbor's greatest need, of course, is this, that they be introduced to Jesus Christ. Far more important than removing trees, far more important than cooking a casserole, far more important than anything else, your neighbor needs to hear about Jesus. They need to hear about Jesus. Because if they don't hear about Jesus then they're going to stay in their sins. They're going to die. And they're going to endure eternal punishment for their sin in hell. Their greatest need of all is to hear about Jesus. If you know someone, and certainly we all know someone who doesn't know Jesus, they are headed towards eternal damnation. They need Jesus. Church, there are many around us here in Bastrop, 
throughout Morehouse Parish who need to hear the gospel. So my question for you is who's that one? Who's the one that God has put in your life who doesn't know Jesus? And you're the one that God has put in their life to have compassion upon them and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Who is that one? The one person that God has put in your life. You know the message of hope. And you can give it to them. Are you praying for that person? Are you engaging that person? Are you trying to work so that you can engage that need in their life? Who's your one? I'm not asking for 10. I'm not asking for 15. I'm asking for one. Who is the one that you can share the hope of Jesus Christ with today? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that you did not ignore our need, but that you sent your Son Jesus to actively engage in our need and sacrifice, give the ultimate sacrifice to take care of our need. And gain for us eternal life. Thank you. Now as your people. As your children. Oh Lord, let us learn from you. And let us never ignore our neighbor. But Lord, let us always actively engage whatever need it may be making whatever sacrifice we need to make to address that need. But also all in hope of sharing with them their greatest need, the need to have a relationship with Christ. Oh Lord, help us. Open our eyes to see our neighbor in need. And give us a heart and a spirit willing to address those needs, Lord. For your glory and Christ's name's sake, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.